I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to episode 153 of the Wokecast. Joining me as usual is my Cody G from Wojubi. What up, Michael? Where are you? I hear noise. I am in KFC's <laughs> finest in KFC's boudoir. They, they, they've loaned me the entire shop and uh, I, I'm actually sitting in an empty KFC. Seriously, they've given me this little space my own little studio in the corner yeah. so sponsored by kfc this week <laughs> the Wocast. right for giving you your second <laughs> office i don't care where you are let's go how are you <laughs> i am incredible right now because i've got rid of that damn cough and i i'm feeling uh 150 how about yourself how was uh martin luther king weekend um, I had no idea that the king and I were going to celebrate this wonderful day, and I had no idea I was going to be off work today. So I'm very happy, and I'm happy also to remember his, remember him and every, all the wonderful things he's done for us. So I'm in a great mood, Mike, and I'm ready. You know, just on that, I, I'm, I, I, I have to say, I feel quite ashamed about this. I had no idea it was Martin Luther King weekend. Is that something which is widely publicized over there? Because I saw nothing on the news. I didn't really see anything on Twitter. I, I only knew about it because you told me. Um, yeah, it's basically like a, you know, it's a, it's a holiday over here. And most of us have the day off. So it is kind of like a big deal. It interrupts the work week. But ah. we are supposed to just remember his message and whatnot. And if you go on social network, even MMA Twitter, you got some folks retweeting him and stuff like that. So... Yeah, it, it is a big deal here. And, of course, the museums and stuff, especially in D.C. at the African-American Museum, they honor him and whatnot. So it should be a big deal. But I am off work today, so I'm pretty happy, too. Well, it's nice. It's always nice when you get free holiday, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. Well, you know what? Without further ado, mm-hmm. I think it's time to get into the weekend's action. UFC 246. I am right. It is UFC 246. I always get them out. the numbers actually muddled up which went down in Las Vegas, or Las Vegas. Um, I have to say, the card itself, um, I was pleasantly surprised by. Particularly, I'm going to get into this in a minute, um, obviously the main event, but Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go into a little bit of a story about Roxanne. Mm-hmm. But um, I was, put it this way, humbled by what, by what I saw. But in terms of the card, um, no, it wasn't the most stellar. It wasn't the most riveting. It wasn't the most. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some some um, some nice bits of mixed martial arts going down. But for me, it wasn't you know the stellar card befitting of you know obviously the main event. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. It the card didn't jump out on at me. But when I watched it and watched all the fights, there were some moments that definitely jumped out at me, especially. The shocking performance of Roxanne Mataferi, which was just awesome. Cool to see Sadiq Youssef kind of be more well-rounded in his game. And not for nothing, Drew Dober knocking out Nasrat Hakparas was shocking. So there was like, that was wasn't a it? Oh my. And I was so high mm. on uh, Nasrat. Like I was just like, Drew Dober's going <laughs> down, baby. And then Drew Dober said, shut your mouth. And he dropped him with a beautiful left. And then the murder ensued. So... I mean, they had their moments, and Andre Feely might have lost, but he fought like a vet. But we'll, you know, we'll get to all of that. But definitely didn't make me crazy when the card was announced and all the fights. But there were some nah. good moments. Mm-hmm. Mm, there were also some sleeper moments when you know it was time to take a toilet break. I mean, Holly <laughs> Holm. Um, I know we're going to get into this, but. Um, not the most engaging of techniques, but she executed a game plan. But we're going to yeah, get yeah. into that. You know what I want to start mm-hmm. with, though? I want to start with Roxanne Modafferi. Now, given the build-up, given the fact that she, um, I thought, reached out in a rather big sister sort of way, I really feel as though this was kind of a bait to catch some kind of foe. Because if you look at how it actually... Um, actually transpired how it actually mm-hmm. unfolded she was surprisingly aggressive for somebody who was offering you know Macy Barber time with her to actually um, break bread and to cut weight and extending all the courtesies and uh, warm uh, and loving and uh, almost like I say big sisterly um, approach to 
you know, come on strong, surprisingly aggressive. She really big sister there in there. I mean, I have to say, the time when Macy Barber actually looked at the camera and you could hear her and you, well, you could actually see her actually mouth. Um, oh, there, there was a real oh fuck moment because she actually said that and you could see her mouthing that. And she made her pay for actually refusing to cut weight with her because this was a three-round shutout. It was a three-round domination. Never, ever take kindness for weakness is what I took away from that. Plus, oh, yeah, she, she outclassed up her. Until, yeah, exactly. And I, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I've been pretty high on this whole happy warrior um, approach. But I really do feel deep down, you know, that was planned to a T. Yeah, I think what you're saying, I'm going to use a little slang here from New York, is that Roxanne Mataferi came out there and sunned her. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that is, I think, yeah. the perfect way to describe this is that I'm going to be who I, I get the impression that Roxanne was like, oh, I'm going to be who I am. I'm a nice person, but I'm also a martial yeah. artist and I respect the game and I don't need any of these self-promoting tactics and I'm just a nice person. And I'm going to extend that to my opponent, Macy Barber who doesn't always come off that way. But then when she got in the octagon, she kind of reminded her, like, you don't underestimate me. I've been doing this since, you know, when you were a little kid. And I'm actually not that bad, and I'm not a gatekeeper. And I loved her performance. Wasn't she actually training before Macy Barber was even born? Uh, Yeah, I think so, because Roxanne Montefiore is born in 1982, and I believe she's 37, and... um, Macy's yeah. a little baby. She's only 21 years old and quite honestly acts like there you it. Go. Um, and I, I think like the bigger person, the bigger woman and the older woman just kind of outclassed her in the octagon and also outside of it during uh, promotions. And I really hope that Macy Barber learns from this, not just technically as a fighter, you know, what she needs to work on, but just kind of like step up your integrity, step up like. You don't always have to be a heel. You're coming off as obnoxious, and it's taking away from how great Macy Barber is. You saw this. You saw her interrupt no. the speech. Mm, I did, mm. but I, sorry to cut cut in there. I love when that oh, happens God. because one, you're right. There is that humbling moment, but you know you can't really fault Macy Barber for being Macy Barber. And you could see, you know, when she actually cut in on the speech, she just can't help. Yeah, herself. she can't. She cannot. And that's what a lot of people try to tell me. Like, Gina, she's acting like a 21-year-old. And I'm just like, well, I don't like Mm. it. Okay? And I'm just going to put it out there. I don't agree with Mike. I don't like it. I wanted Roxanne to have her post-speech moment. And instead, she was Kanye'd by Macy Barber. And I did not like it. But it it is who she is, you know? So, 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 all right then. So, where do you stand then? on the lead up or in the lead up to fight night when she was extending those pleasantries and she was inviting her to come break bread and you know essentially cut weight with her um what did you make of all that given you know this is someone who you're gonna smash their face in it and that's what she ended up doing she sure did smashed her face in (laughs) and took out her knee um I thought it was a bit strange. I'll be honest with you. It's it's like I try to put myself in their shoes, even though I'm not a fighter. And I can't say that I would be like, come have dinner with me. Let's cut weight together. Yeah. Here, have a glass of water. I can't say that I'm that nice of a person because I'm not. But I think that's who Roxanne is. And it played right into whatever she was trying to promote herself with it, too. Like she literally did come off as like this really nice, gentle you know, sweet big sister. Then she came out there and she beat the shit out of her. So I loved it. But me personally, I'm yeah. not, I wouldn't do none of that shit if I was a fighter. I might be as obnoxious at Ma- as Macy or, you there know. You go. So. There you go. I mean, go- going back to a point which you just raised there, which is something pretty peculiar, which I've never seen before. The whole knee episode, the doctor coming in and checking the knee. You know the thing that really What's threw that? me off? I was like, I was like, are, are you being serious here? Is when... I'm not sure if you're seeing it. It's mm-hmm. on Netflix at the moment. It's um, it's called Messiah. Oh, I've heard of it's it. It's about um, yeah, but basically th- this guy appears to have supernatural powers. It was like there was a Messiah <laughs> in the cage because basically he came in, felt her leg, and said, "Yep, partial ACL With no tear. equipment, no uh, MRI, MRI, nothing. no X-ray machine, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Messiah. Yeah. He, you know. Now. Th- 
It turns out, though, the Messiah was right because um, reading reports today, she has got an ACL tear. But my question is this. It's like, what was the point of that if you were going to let her keep fighting? Why'd you make her sit down? What, like, I didn't get that. And then immediately Joe Rogan tried the whole, like, that's never been done to a man before and remember Tiago Santos. But it's like, Joe, hold up. Let's just discuss the fact that this is even happening, one, before we make this a gender war. And two, every referee and every commission is different. So let's not, like, try that angle with men versus women. We have enough of that already. (laughs) And let's just figure out why the fuck he did that in the first place before we make this a war. You know, and I just, it just was unsettling and weird, and I'd rather do without it. It was. Yeah, but to be mm-hmm. fair, the doctor was he spot was. on. The doctor was right. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm sure. I'm sure he was the physical manif- manifestation of the Messiah because <laughs> he was bang on the money. I know, and even Macy was frustrated. But question for you, Mike, because I've seen this and I've seen this on MMA Twitter, and I don't know. I don't have an opinion on this yet. Do you think that her corner should have stopped the fight? I see some people pissed. Like, what the fuck you let her go out there for? 100% no. Mm. You could see in the fire in her eyes and from what she said, I mean, the, 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 the corner mic was pretty live. She was like, no, 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 I'm fine. And she was waving off the doctor when he was trying to intervene just before letting her out again. So the corner, I feel, would have got an absolute roasting if they had waved off the fight or thrown in the towel. That, there was no way that was going to happen. She was too game. She was too enthusiastic. And her head was still in that fight. Yeah, it's a, it's a questionable debate. And I have yet to even comment on it yet because I don't know how I feel about it yet I want to get you know more information and maybe watch the fight again you know but it was just pretty interesting to see that debate and I was like I want to run it past Michael um yeah what'd you think of um folks saying that you know um what am I trying to say people tried to diminish Roxanne's um work in the cage because of the bum knee and I, I tweeted like she was winning that fight before and after the bum knee. Did you see anything hands like that? Hands down, hands down. Well, I, I saw a lot of people. I think it's because I. I that's why I said that I, I've got confession time to actually bring to the table. <laughs> I like most people have not warmed up until now to Roxanne Modafferi. I think that the whole happy warrior vibe it just doesn't sit well with me and plus you know the whole dress up thing man to be honest with you in my or at my big age that doesn't resonate with me either so there is so much i feel that i don't connect with her on 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 in terms of so many levels that i can see where people are coming from but no you can't take away what she did there. Not only did she shut her out, I mean, those jabs, a lot of people, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, she was stalling on the ground. No, oh. I think that she was trying to get, um, it looked like a head and arm triangle she was trying to get at, at, at one point. But, you know, she was dominant on the ground. She secured mount several times. But I suppose the key and most important thing, those jabs were getting through. And those jabs is what actually enabled her to, you know, put in that groundwork. So, no, hats off to her. She looked phenomenal. She looked aggressive. And like I said, she definitely big-sisted Macy Barber. Oh, yeah. And we'll discuss it more because we've got some questions about this whole bout in Roxanne Matafari. So we're going to go back to it, no doubt, and pick your brain some more. Exactly. To to be honest with you, though, for me, um, that was the only thing that made me think, you know what, that is definitely worthy of praise and worthy of talking about. Because obviously, for me, the big ticket item, and for many people, was the big ticket item worth discussing was Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, let's let's just look really in depth at what actually transpired there. It was definitely an excellent um, week in terms of PR for McGregor. He's gone from slapping granddads to hugging grandmas. (laughs) Now, the way that I look at it is this. He executed his game plan phenomenally. A lot of people, I think, need to look past the fact that this was about. It was more than that. This was PR management. Look at the Mm -hmm. way in terms of the lead-up, his whole demeanour, his words how he carried himself, engaging with the media, being on time. Okay, I think at one point he was half an hour late. But (laughs) the fact was, this was a whole exercise, I feel, in trying to clean up the image of Conor McGregor. There was no more trash talk. Okay, there was an element or just a smattering of um, trash talk in the cage at the end when he was talking about, you know, um, the robe worn by Jorge Masvidal. And the fact that, you know, just 
like two little happy puppies and um, they were worthy of you know being slaughtered by um conor mcgregor <laughs> it was it was good that he had addressed the fact that you know you guys are seriously begging it with your chest i mean literally with your chest you turn up Jorge Masvidal, after, you know, this whole persona of Street Jesus and the fact that you're this hardcore gangster and you are literally begging for a fight with your chest, coming to cage side with a robe, nah, not a good look. No, a robe that Connor had worn before, too. It was strange. It was just, um, Jorge kind of messed up on that one. He probably just should have played it cool, not even showed up or maybe did something from Twitter (laughs) real quick, but he just came off a little thirsty, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, we saw a smattering of the whole braggadocious angle from McGregor. And I'm really hoping, mm-hmm. you know, so you know something? I hope that we return to that because that I have to say endeared me to him. That's what made him a draw for me and for many others who wanted to see him succeed and for those who wanted to see him lose, or even, you know, basically for those who were on the fence. Now, mm-hmm. to me <laughs> I, I I have to keep getting back to this. The way he dealt with Masvidal and the way he dealt with Usman, I have to say, brilliant. And I really hope that does actually springboard into something which actually manifests in a fight of Masvidal. Because out of the, out of the many options that he's got coming his way, I really want to see him take the silver, as he would put it, and that's the BMF belt. Then go on to challenge for the gold. Yeah, I think a lot of people want that. But what people and also let me go back a little bit let allow me to play devil's Mm -hmm. advocate here i love when we we do this mike i am i loved his performance in the octagon i thought it was exactly what should have happened and i'm not taking away from the beautiful shoulder bumps four times in a row that broke cowboy cerrone's nose which was really like fun to see the the left high kick oh and then his composure yeah to just go in there, control his adrenaline, and pick his shots and just dismantle somebody is, is, is just a beauty. However, he was supposed to do that. It was a tailor-made fi- fight made for Conor McGregor. Yeah. It was a beauty in itself to see a promotion and his, and his managers all behind him acting as if Cowboy Cerrone is not the perfect matchup for him in so many different ways. And it, and it was beautiful how they fed it to us. They made yeah. it seem like this really competitive bout. And they knew damn well Conor was going to go in there and do that. I am so sorry. I don't. I don't know why someone is trying to visit me. I have nobody on the way. Excuse the buzzer in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Um, totally ruined my train of thought. But it's it's just what should have happened. Even though it was a beautiful, beautiful fighting sequence that led to a KO. Let's not act like Donald Cerrone is not a fast starter, and Connor is. Let's not act like Donald doesn't um, struggle with southpaws. Let's you know. You, let's not act like when you give Donald one of the hardest yeah. fights of his life, you're going to get a title shot after this that he doesn't choke. Come on! And then you watch the build up with Donald Cerrone. Mm. He was just that. I'm just happy to be here. There was no animosity. There was no motivation besides the fact that this is just what he does and he loves it. In comparison to Connor, that had so much riding on him. If you pick Donald Cerrone, you're a fool. And if you're not, and if you think that you know what Connor did was just out of this world, you're a fool as well because that's what he was supposed to. Do. When he's tested by Masvidal and Usman, let's talk. Let's talk. Other than that, I don't. I don't really agree that this was some you know, just like masterful comeback. It was planned. What I what I love the most is that he shut out the critics in terms of all True. you have is a left hand. I saw knees. I saw uppercuts. I mean, I, I just think the whole thing was beautiful, especially you know coming with that new trick with the yeah. you know the whole shoulder. Yeah. That was absolutely incredible. Now, you know, let's just t- pause for a second. Let's not forget that, you know, we're talking about a cowboy who went 25 minutes of raging out. We're talking about, you know, someone who five weeks later got his oh. nose and orbital broken by Tony Ferguson. We're also looking at somebody who got KO'd by Gaethje. The fact is, this is someone yes. who was battle tested. But let's not dress it up more than what it is because he was clearly there to actually allow basically a credible test for Connor's yes. showcase of skills. Now, for me, for me, I really do see, you know, Cerrone as this almost assassin-like he is. gatekeeper. He's someone who's a, a, a credible test, but a lot of people um, 
are shying away from the fact that you know he's now taking on this mantle I'm saying it with my chest I really feel that you know he is given to opponents who the UFC you actually want to see yeah. are you up for the next level get past this gatekeeper yeah. he's their crash we'll test talk. dummy I'm, I'm telling you and he's happy to do it he gets paid well according to him and he's been in a lot of wars but I will say this let me go back to Connor what he did in there was incredible I don't want people to think that I don't recognize his greatness in the cage the man is talented he's elite and he deserves all the accolades that he gets for what he did in there from the past up until ufc 246 and remember mike me and you we've discussed this several times there's more to connor than a left hand everybody wake up that that left kick should not have shot 100%. you you know what i mean the shoulder bumps was kind of cool we've never seen someone use it that effectively it's mm. not a new technique mike it's, it just hasn't been used in that type of no. fashion where it actually stunned the guy and made him look all stupid and now his nose is broken like it was effective that's why we're still talking about it but i just think that this fight was tailor-made for him and that's what he should have done in there and props to him for getting it done in that fashion too because that's that's what you're supposed to do Connor when you fight someone like Donald Cerrone was tailor made I can't wait for him to to, to, for his competition to step up though that's when I'm gonna know if he's serious if he's back if, if the drinking has subsided has he you know what I mean like is he as great as he used to be when you put him up against a Masvidal or an Usman or even Khabib that's the real test Mike yeah Oh, that, that will definitely be the litmus test. You know, for me, though, just before we segue uh-huh. neatly away from this, and uh, I feel, you know, it, it's only right that we bring in Chisanga, who's actually, or was nice. actually on the ground. Like, no doubt when we're actually, uh, when this is actually aired, he will be back in the UK. But he actually recorded on the ground um, at UFC 246. Yeah. So let's hear from Chisanga. Hi guys, Chisanga Malata here from the Daily Star and Daily Express. And this week I'm coming to you from a sunny but very, very cold Las Vegas, Nevada. I, of course, was here for the big fight of the weekend, which was the long-awaited rematch between Raquel Pennington and Holly Holm. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm not even going to start that. I, I, of course, was here to watch the one and only Conor McGregor make his long-awaited to return to the octagon, which he hadn't set foot in for 15 months. Conor, of course, was welcomed back to the cage by Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And he went into this fight under a lot of pressure because, as I previously mentioned there, he hadn't set foot in the cage in over 15 months. And he hadn't tasted victory in just over three years with the last victory coming against Eddie Alvarez in November 2016. So make no mistake about it, Conor was under a huge amount of pressure here. There was a huge weight in his shoulders when he went into the octagon. Though you wouldn't have been able to tell that, judging from the manner, the emphatic manner in which he put away Cowboy Cerrone. And for me, it was, uh, he almost kind of did him dirty, um, drilling him with that head kick, just after Cowboy tried a head kick, of course, and then swarming on him with a barrage of strikes and uh, closing the show emphatically on the 42nd mark to uh, kickstart his 2020 season in emphatic fashion. Now, the overwhelming narrative out here on the ground amongst fans and amongst the media is that Connor's back and uh, he's back to his best and we, we were wrong to doubt him. But personally, I'm not really buying into it. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a, it was a textbook, textbook stoppage and uh, a great one for the highlight reel. But I think it's difficult to gauge where he really is right now because, as we all know, Cowboy is on the home stretch of his career and... Uh, as was the narrative throughout the beginning of fight week and well, from as soon as the fight was made, sorry, is that it's all known, it's well known, sorry, that Cowboy is a notoriously slow starter and McGregor well and truly capitalized on the, that shortcoming of uh, Cowboy to his advantage. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll happily admit that Connor did look sharp and he looked in good shape, which are surefire signs that he is taking training seriously and that he's committed to the cause again. But given the aforementioned facts, I still think it's a bit too early to gauge truly to truly gauge where he's at. Unsurprisingly, and as is always the case, just minutes after a Conor McGregor fight, attention has turned to who will fight next. Of course, the general consensus amongst uh, fans and amongst some media members and 
just in general the the fan demand even the casual fan demand is for a fight with none other than bmf title holder Jorge masvidal going into the fight that's who i thought he should uh get matched up with after the fight but given the quickness in which he put away cowboy it's kind of made me skeptical of where he's at in this moment of time while a matchup against masvidal sorry i'm i'm very very tired i apologize for that is undoubtedly the biggest fight the UFC can make at this moment in time, which isn't a rematch with Habib Nurmagomedov. If I was the UFC brass, I'd err on the side of caution putting the pair together because you don't want to risk the possibility of your poster boy who just got his first win in over three years getting manhandled in the same manner in which Masvidal manhandled Nate Diaz in November. So again, I would err on the side of caution with that one. One thing I did like from Connor, though, is that after the fight, he was repeatedly pressed on uh, who do you want next and who who's the most uh, ent- appealing fight to you at this moment in time. But I like the fact that he refused to name anybody by name other than Diaz, but Diaz is kind of out of the equation any- anyway, and any press engagement that he does, he always says that he wants a trilogy fight with Nate Diaz. And I believe the, the act of him not naming anybody as well and truly left the ball in his court and... It's a perfect play for him because he has plenty of options and that's what he needs going into this 2020 season. He needs plenty of options. That, however, I'm sure will change over the course of the coming weeks as he plots the course of this 2020 season. I, for one, am hoping that he stays true to his word and fights three times, but whether that realistically happens, it's uh, it's up for a debate. Okay, guys, that's all from me, Chisanga Malata. Take care and enjoy the rest of the show. I love the whole reporting on the ground. I love the fact that, you know, Jasanga was over there soaking it up. I love the fact that he was, you know, living in the flesh and cage side. There was obviously a different atmosphere oh, there. Yeah. You could hear it just from the exhaustion yeah, you could hear it. in his voice. I mean, what, what was your take on... <laughs> what was your take on, on, oh, on, I, I, on his um, angle? It's so funny you say that. I thought he also sounded exhausted. And I was like, that's what happens when you're on the ground at one of the biggest comeback fights and main events ever. You know, so I could hear it in his voice. But mm. I, I feel like me and Chisanga share the same sentiments. It was a beautiful showing of, of martial arts on Conor McGregor's behalf. However, the real litmus test, as you said, will come when he's tested. But man, it was just beautiful artwork in there and I totally agree with Chisanga. It's just too early to gauge exactly where he is. And that that was from Chisanga himself, so don't call me a hater. What I thought um, Chisanga was heading up to in one of the points he was making was where next for Cowboy Cerrone, if indeed he does have a career. I mean, if he is going to be this, you know, eternal gatekeeper, I mean, he does have a problem with big fights and there's no way in any time soon that he's going to be in title contention. So, I mean, what next really for Cerrone, apart from obviously on the surgeon's table to, you know, get that I think that that he remains a gatekeeper and they sign him up for fun fights, period. You know, like look at Anthony Pettis. He's just having fun. Mm. And he said that himself. Why can't Cowboy have a little fun and make and make a lot of money? He's never in a boring fight, win or lose. So he doesn't need to to fight for a title contention or to, to fight for a title again, if you ask me. Just keep winning, keep supporting your family, and, and just have fun. And I, I could see him actually accepting that type of career, kind of like how Pettis is doing the same. And I wouldn't mind it. I don't want to see him fight any more top one fight one to five uh, fighters in his division. I think they all beat him. Which is the travesty, given his track record, given his propensity or given his um, love of fighting. Uh, I I feel, you know, he's going to see out his days, basically, just as you say, in fun fights. And, you know, that's a little bit of an exclamation point on what has been an incredible approach to fighting. I mean, always been ready, ever ready to get in there, regardless of the duration um, and regardless of how soon in people's eyes or other people's eyes it may be that, you know, he's getting back in there. But, you know, I I just want to see him go out on a high if he does indeed, you know, call it quits. And, um... You know, it's just, I, I, out of all the fighters who I've followed over the years, he is one who, you know, was well-deserving of, you know, clinching a title, given how much oh, and how yeah, game absolutely. he is. I'm sure the UFC has something lovely for him in store in his future, whether it's Hall of Fame or maybe a job or something, because he's always been like the 
the you know the company man and then also he's the company man for the fans not never a boring fight never miss weight uh doesn't make excuses yeah. and shows up to fight win or lose we're having fun with this guy so you know he definitely deserves a little something in his future and i'm sure dana will take care of him you know speaking of being taken care of and um speaking of dana um one of the things which i, I was really surprised at was how soon i know you know everything actually um was settling um you know fight night and the post-fight uh, press conference. But one of the things I was really surprised about is how quickly he was back on the narrative of, you know, Connor's actually running this show. Connor is actually driving this, and Connor wants Khabib next. And I'm thinking, really and truly, I thought we'd got to a point where you had the reins again to this horse and you were actually riding this. But no, Connor is back in control. Connor, Connor is Connor's calling so the shots. Go ahead. And to be, you know, to be billing him as a you know a, 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 a billion dollar fighter, really exalting him to this Christ-like position, I was thinking you're making a rod for your own back. To be honest with you, I, I was just surprised at how quickly that you know we got yeah, back. Yeah, and situation. I just think people don't I mean. talk about it enough. Like everybody wants to give him props for how well Conor fights and whatnot, but give him props also for the business aspect of his brand and how he handles things. I mean, you just told me right now you think Conor's more in charge than the president of the company. You know, what does that tell you about his business um, point of view or how he handles his business? Look how he didn't call anybody out. He's got us all talking, thinking. And meanwhile, he's going to meet with his team and they're going to make the best decision possible. And the one that's going to make them the most money. But they're going to have us sit sit and wait. He calls the shots. He had Masvidal in a robe looking hurt. (laughs) <laughs> because he wasn't called out. He looked like a woman scorned. I hate to sound misogynist, but he looked like a sad woman after a divorce proceeding or whatnot. Like, yeah. he blinked. He did? No, it looked like he lost the kids. It looked like he lost the kids in a custody battle. Like, he blinked and, and, and he just sat there wow. in his beautiful robe. And I'm a huge Masvidal fan, but what that just shows you the power this man has. He can make you rich and famous with one fight. And you have motherfuckers just cage side, like, please call me, please call me. You know? <laughs> Wow, I, I, are you trying to tell me that Matt Girl is Jeff Bezos? <laughs> yes, I, could, I looked at his face. I said, "Is he going to shed a tear? This is a divorce pr- proceeding. He got dressed up so that man can be like everybody can get it." And he did not mention his name. It was I felt bad for him because ultimately they might fight, but kind of crossed wow. the shots, baby. You know. You know, I think it's a nice juncture to bring in the passionate, the effervescent yes. Kairos. They say that grace is something we receive even though we don't deserve it. Well, that word needs to be changed from grace to UFC title shots because Joel Romero has just been named Israel Adesanya's first title defense. And I told y'all I wasn't going to be emotional anymore. And I lied to y'all's faces because y'all made me do this. Remember, y'all turned me this way. And this is why I got to act this way. Y'all did this. So live with it. Why? Oh, why is this man getting another title shot? He had a title shot against Robert Whitaker. Didn't make weight. People said he arguably won the fight. Guess what? It was marked down as a loss. All right, great. He fights Robert Whitaker again. Loses that one. People say he won. I don't care. It was marked down as a loss. He faces Paulo Costa. Loses that one. People think he won. Doesn't matter. It marked down as a loss. Yes, he sparks Luke Rockhold. So that's what? Three out of his last four fights as losses. How on earth do you people justify this in your mind? I tweeted about this, and so many people had to say, well, who's next in line then, Kairos? Who, who should Israel sign your face? How about he wait? How about we have Jared Cannonier versus Darren Till winner face him? Or if that's further down the line, how about we have one of them face him right now since Israel Adesanya wants to be active? Why does it have to be Yoel Romero? What is you guys' fascination with this man so much to the point where you are willing to ignore common sense? Why is he getting another title shot right now? You know who else is getting title shots So we always complain about? Holly Holm. But I don't see you guys keeping the same energy with her. You know who else gets title shots who does not deserve them frequently? Frankie Edgar. And I don't see you guys keeping the same energy with that either. You know who else is getting a title shot that does not deserve it? Jose Aldo. And I don't see you guys keeping the same energy for that. It would be one thing if you guys allowed all these fighters to come in and compete for titles coming off of losses. But you guys pick and choose. That's bullshit. Why are we doing this? Why, why is this a thing? And you guys can say, well, Kairos, you always think of stuff as black and white. No, I understand the ramifications of this. This sets a bad precedent. This allows a fighter to come off of a loss of a close decision. And Dana might say, well, you know, I thought the fight was close and I thought this guy had it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them compete for the title. You guys see the issue? 
Do you see why I'm opposed to this? Do you see why there's a method to my madness? I'm crazy, but it's not crazy without purpose or reasoning. I understand the gravity of who I am, but people, please, I'm begging you, stop allowing this stuff to be shoveled down your throat and you just accept it. Is that so hard to ask? Is that such a hard thing to ask? Why is it that people just can't accept the fact that this is the fight game, people get hurt? Why can't we just wait? It's happened before. We have interim title fights as well. Why can't we have an interim title fight? But no. Everything has to just be all or nothing with you guys. Who's really the person not living in a black and white world? Seems like you guys are. But that's just me, you know. I'm Kairos. You guys have a great fight week. Depending on when you listen to this, if you listen to this, the week of, the day of, the day after, whatever. My point still stands the same. I'm keeping my same energy. I'm keeping my same stance. These people don't deserve these title shots, so stop giving them to them. It's not like they're winning these fights anyway. Dang. You guys have a great week. You know what? I love passionate Kairos. Me too. (laughs) I love emotional Kairos. And I love the fact that I disagree with him. What? Because that's why I love having Kairos on the team. I just love the fact that we are 180 degrees in terms of our viewpoints, always at the opposite end of the spectrum. I personally have to put my hand up and I, I don't think it would be genuine or I think it'd be very disingenuous of me to say that I don't love classy mashup matchups because that's what he was effectively talking about. What type of matchups? Every single I didn't hear you. Classy matchups. Classy matchups. Mm, classy. Okay. Fan, fan fed, fan made classy matchups. Okay. We're not talking about scrubs here. We're talking about reliable contenders. We're talking about fan friendly matchups and we're talking about things that fans ultimately want to see and this is the beauty of the UFC they give the fans what they want okay the right person didn't actually win this fight okay he's getting the title shot because that's what the fans want I love that Um, I absolutely adore that about this sport we get what we want Wow, okay. Remind me to um, get with Karos on the side, and we're going to jump you when we finally meet. <laughs> we are going to have this. Um, we're going to set up the coup d'etat and just take over the WOCast. Um, I don't, I do not agree with you at all. You know me. Really? Oh my God, hell no. Well, well, Michael well, well, Morgan. Uh, I'll allow you to retort. Oh my God. You heard me call you by your government, Michael Morgan. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me clear my throat as I break this down. Sir. Mm. You cannot. I agree with Karos. You can't set a precedent like this. I I get that some of these fights are fan favorites, and guess what? Yo versus Izzy is my fan favorite. When they announced it, I was oh, like, "This is some bullshit." But real. I I secretly was happy as hell. Um, there you go. But that's not always going to happen, and it's going to get sloppy. Mm. You see, the minute that. A matchup was favorable. I was excited, but as soon as it's not, I get to bitching and moaning, and that's what it's going to cause in the in the MMA community. It's going to cause favoritism. It's going to cause problems with rankings that we've already decided to ignore. You know what I mean? We will not know who was the best in the division because that's ultimately what mixed martial arts in the UFC. That's what I thought it was about because we have set forth divisions and we want to know who's the best how do you know who's the best if somebody is losing but dana liked their fight and gave him a title shot you sir are not the best aldo is not the best bantamweight in the world and he should not be fighting henry cejudo it's wrong hold on do you agree that jose aldo won his last fight just just answer that question Um, do you no no i'm actually one of the people that no i thought um marlon won what I thought he skated to victory. I don't. Mm. I thought he won. Yep. But let's say he didn't win. I'll play devil's advocate. Let's just say I thought Aldo won. Yeah. Losses are losses. It was documented as a loss. Tough break. He lost. Okay. You just don't get title shots off of losses. You know what I mean? Like I, I know the point that you're trying to make. Yeah. But I'm a stickler with if the judges said it was a loss, it's it's. It's online. I can look it up, and it says you lost to this person. It is a loss. We do not give title shots to losers. I don't understand. The, the way that I, I the way that I rationalize it, and mm-hmm. I know it's called the Ultimate Fighting Championships, but this is a business. Remember, this is a business that was sold for an in excess of four billion 
dollars. They have to recruit right. their money, and how you recoup it is by putting bums on seats and pleasing the people <laughs> who are actually yeah. keeping this going. Now, the way that yeah. I look at it, it's a business. It's that the, the fundamental principle. You'll know this yourself of economics is to get maximum revenue. Right. How you do right. that again? Going back to the consumer, to the customer, to the people who actually put bums on seat, giving them what they want in spades, and that is what the UFC are fantastic at. You can't fault them. They are, in terms of a business model, one of the standard bearers. Yeah, I mean, I love Jose Aldo, and if he beats Henry, I'll be thrilled. But it's like, are you really the bantamweight champ? Like you. It just kind of takes away from the authentic, like how authentic this is to me and some of the other fans. Like some of us honestly want to know who's the best. But I do agree with you that things are changing. The UFC paid an incredible amount of money for whatever, you know, with the the name of the new company. I forget. Um, William Morris. It's like like you. There you go. And it's a billion dollar business deal. So I I completely understand why they're doing this. Mm. I'm just with Karos that it's kind of breaking my heart. Because I, I'm with Carol's when Frankie Holly, Frankie and Holly were getting gifted title shots. I was the first one to complain, and I still am. I don't. I try not to play favorites, even though I want y'all to fight Izzy. Yeah. But I do know it's wrong. But you know, I'm gonna like I keep saying every episode, Mike. I'm eventually I'm gonna shut up. I'm telling you, I'm gonna <laughs> stop complaining and get on board. One day this will happen. Cause I, cause you see, I understand the science behind it. I just, mm. it just don't sit right with me. I just be like, he lost. What the fuck? You know <laughs> what? You know what? I mean this in the kindest way possible. But I mm-hmm. see you as a purist. You love the fact that this is supposedly about the best fighting the best. That's, that's the, me. That's the yeah. purist yeah. in you speaking. Yeah. And you know, I I, I commend that. But yeah, really, because really and truly. That doesn't actually sit well with so, the angle that we are working yeah. with now. And this is this is entertainment. This is but a sport Michael, and entertainment, and it's supposed to make money. True. But question. You love the sport, too, just as much as I do. Or we wouldn't be podcasting. We wouldn't Definitely. even know each other if we weren't yes. fanatics. Yes. So, but don't you want to know if Peter Yan is better than Henry Cejudo? Don't you think? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just... Why is he being overlooked? Why is Aljo being overlooked? They, they're better than... They, they have wins in their divisions, and they're up there as the best, but we're going to put that on hold because Jose lost the fight. Doesn't make sense to me for the sport and the purest in me, but like I just said, I'm going to shut my mouth and stop complaining one of these days. But <laughs> seriously, Michael, don't you want to know who's the best, too? I do. But what about Peter Yan? It, I, I'm glad that you put Peter Yan or Pet, Peter Yan on the table. Peter Yan, we'll, right? We will. We will get there. He ain't going anywhere. What's he hurry? What's he hurry? True. True. <laughs> true. Pump those brakes. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, so, like I guess, I guess every other fight, one will be meaningful. The next one will play with Haldo, and then the next one, like hopefully, we'll get some type of balance here with with playing around with title shots, but like. I'm going to watch all of them, Michael. Don't mind me. (laughs) Well, I think it's only right that we segue neatly into listener mail. Oh, we've got a whole bunch, and I'm pretty excited about the questions. Because they're pretty well-rounded. Let me do a little dig in here. And let's go back to Holly Holm. Um, The Bull, Mr. T-Law, wants to know, what did you think about the wall install by Holly Holm? And what place do you think this tactic has in today's MMA? I think this is MMA. I remember your girl being shouted at and um, being pointed at. I forget her opponent's name, but uh, Denise Kilhut. Let's do boxing. Oh, against let's, a Turkish yeah, opponent. Let's, let's, yeah. let's do boxing, not MMA. Come on, this is MMA. So you can't actually turn around and say, okay, Wallenstall, which is... A, a, a very, I think, derogatory term of actually um, describing pacing, which effectively that is what you're doing. You're actually sewing down the pace and picking your moment, picking your shots, and giving yourself yourself thinking room, and, and calling it, you know, wall and stall. Now, for me, it's all part of MMA. It's all part of game planning whilst on the fly, whilst in the moment. So. I agree with it wholeheartedly. Don't get me wrong. I said at the top of the show that, 
you know, okay, whilst it's not the most attractive thing to look at, you have to look at, you know, the technical aspect of what we're observing here. And that is, it's part of game planning. And the game planning worked. She came away with oh, a victory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to agree with you on this. Um, wall install, which is basically for those that might not know the term that he's using, is like when Holly Holm and... and um, just um, excuse me, Pennington decided to clinch for the majority of the fight. Yep. And, and um, do I like this tactic? It's not really appeasing to my eyes. Like it's not something that I'm into. But it is MMA, and it's something that um, Raquel should have trained for, or maybe been um, prepared for, because she did just recently make a statement that she showed up to fight, not to clinch mm-hmm. or to whatever Holly did, which I thought was a just an excuse for her loss but i agree with you michael it's mma and you have to study every facet just in case your opponent does something like that to you is it pretty no but you lost ma'am you know um oh got a question from your boy you're more familiar with him um than me but i love him jake jones mma okay (laughs) right our very own Um, jake jones mma our very own yes shout out to the brethren but um (laughs) his question is Additionally, with Verdum's suspension being brought forward, because you know Verdum is going to be able to fight in April 2020, Mike. His, he's coming off his suspension earlier. Yes. So Jones wants to know, what are your thoughts on his call-out of Olenek? Wow, that's pretty bold. But given where he was, I mean, to be honest with you, Verdum is no slouch. Um, I think that's pretty gutsy, and I love when people call, uh, or in, instead of, I'll fight anybody who they put in front of me. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. I like that yeah, um, a lot. Just to make it clear, it was Verdum who tweeted to Olenek, let's fight, mm. because um, Olenek is also world-renowned on the ground, as you can see. Like, he's always, sub- he's submitting people from, from the bottom, which is nuts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's this older, stronger <laughs> fighter. And to answer your question, Jake, I can't, I really hope that they fight. I think that call-out was very smart on Verdum's part. I think it's a great way to just jump back into the heavyweight division after such a long layoff and to win and to make a statement. So I think Verdum is being very intelligent with this call-out, and I think the fans will like it, and he's biting, he's using Olenek's momentum in his favor. Yes. Because fans kind of like are learning about Olenek because of these weird submissions and his last fight and stuff. So Verdum wants to steal that and propel his way up the division, which I think is smart, and I hope it happens. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Olenek does have the momentum. He does have the traction, and he has... Basically, all, all the attention right now. So why not actually jump on the back of it? Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, with you. I think it, I think it's you gotta sometimes pay attention to how smart these fighters are. You know what I mean? It's mm. not just oh, I, oh, he had a good fight. I want to fight him. There's reasoning behind these callouts. They're pretty. Some of them are pretty damn smart. Um, now KB Casual KB has a question. Let's go back to Connor. Uh, does the Connor we saw tonight, meaning UFC 246, beat Khabib in a rematch? Sorry, I was a bit distracted there. Um, Joe Bloggs just that tweeted uh, another question in there. I'll just chuck that in just so that we get it in. Um, he wants oh, yeah. to know, Joe Bloggs wants to know um, what we thought of Macy Barber stealing um, uh, Modafari's golden moment. But remind me of that. So, do you want to ask the question again? I was distracted because that, that came through and I was like, oh, what's, what's Joe saying? I do like Joe. I've got no. a lot of time for Joe Bloggs. No, me too. I love Joe. That's why I was like, I'll allow it. Joe is cool. He can distract the show. Um, <laughs> I'll repeat the question. It's from Casual KB, great follower. Yeah. Um, He says, does the Connor we saw tonight, meaning UFC 246, does that Connor beat Khabib in a rematch? What do you think? I think 40 seconds is really difficult to make a judgment on how anything would actually pan out. With someone who has got cardio for days, it wouldn't, I feel, be over as quickly because we're looking at someone who's terrifying in the fact that, you know, he'll smother you, he'll carpet you, he'll basically shut you down. And, you know, he, I think, is more of a live dog and more of a threat than cowboy. So it's really difficult to make any decision, make any opinion, to kind of come to any conclusion after just 40 seconds. But I liked what I saw. And I love the fact that, you know, he bought an actual game plan to the table, which I wasn't expecting. 
But anyway, I, I, I digress. I think it's too short a time to make a decision. What do you think? Um, I agree with you. I think it's too short of a time to make a decision. But I'm going to jump ahead and answer my his own question. I don't think um, anyone beats Khabib, and I don't think Connor can. So I'm just like, it doesn't really matter which Connor shows up. I just think Khabib is the better fighter. And I think that Khabib is going to win that rematch regardless of what changes Connor makes or whoever shows up, whether it's the Connor that be wilding outside of, you know, <laughs> the octagon and then does a fight camp and shows up to oppress her a little tipsy, or whether it's, you know, the church boy Connor we're seeing now with this beautiful beard and just being on his best behavior. I don't yeah. think it really matters because we're dealing with someone that's possibly could be a goat. And I stand by that, and I don't often talk like that, but I think Khabib is somebody special. You are coming so up with some killer yeah. quotables today, Church Boy Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I, 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 noticed, I, noticed, I noticed the Church Boy <laughs> act. I mean, it's well appreciated because he's been acting terribly, but thank you for putting forth that effort. But I do think it's somewhat of an act, and I think we will see, you know, Connor not act crazy again outside of the octagon I pray for that yeah. but for him to start being that heel again you can tell he wants to talk a little shit soon you know and <laughs> we'll get that when he fights Masvidal or Usman or you know so you know everybody hold on for that it's it's this church boy act ain't gonna last for too long y'all <laughs> <laughs> okay and I can't wait <laughs> <laughs> what's Joe's question we got one from Joe oh Joe Bloggs asked um what did we think of Macy Barber stealing um, uh, Modafari's golden moment? Oh, yeah. I think I answered this earlier, but like I say, it was distracting because it came in and I like Joe, so I thought, let me read what he said. But what, what do you think? Um, I'm one of those people that thought it was inappropriate because... I- I'm just going to be honest with you. After the fight, I waited for Macy's little speech. Like, I was pumped. I was still... And then I was like, what the hell? Who has the mic, Macy? Mm. Like, like it bothered my mood. I was high off the win. And then why, why is she getting the mic? And since when do we give the loser the mic first? And then on top of it, don't be fooled, Mike. Mm. What she said was some dickhead shit. Did you hear it? Did you hear <laughs> yes. the? Yes. Did you hear the passive-aggressive... This ain't my moment, but bitch, because I'm so dope and you beat me, you're going to get a little shine. But, Macy, sit down. But but that's why I loved it. She was back in character, <laughs> even though she'd been humbled and she'd been humbled in a big way. I mean, imagine getting your, your head caved in, caved in so hard that you have to look at the blood and say, oh, fuck. Come on now. Come on now. Right. But to and come she, back and, and then, you know, wrong and strong, as my mum would say. Come on now. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Your mother's right. Commendable. <laughs> commendable. Yeah, she just. I said it on Twitter and people laughed. I was like, Macy's always in dickhead mode. Like, she doesn't know how to turn it off. Like, sometimes be nice, sometimes be a dick. Like, you don't have to do it all the time. It takes away from how good you are. But then at the same time, people who like drama, like Michael Morgan, they like this stuff. Exactly. We need to, we need to switch. I need you in my mentions for the drama that I have. And then you can take, you can, you need to be G from Wo TV so you can get all the drama you like in my mentions. Bring but, it on. I mean, fun. F- it was fun, though, Mike. Look what, how we're laughing and talking about exactly. it. It, it. You are right. That part of it is does make it fun, even if I get annoyed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you got time for You're one right. more? Let me see. Let, um, yeah. my um, One of my favorites. I love you, girl. Shaylin MMA has a question. Okay. And I'm glad she's asking this because we do need to talk about this for a little bit. What's next for Feely? Andre Feely. And I think she's asking that because, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people like me were impressed with his performance, even in the loss. But did you happen to catch that fight? I didn't actually see that. Oh, let me um, we, recap you real quick. Sadiq handled his business. Against... Um, and- Sadiq Yosef went to decision with Andre Feely. Yeah. He run, um, he run a decet, um, I think, a unanimous decision against um, Andre Feely. Okay. Because what happened was he was beating him to the punch in the first two rounds. He was he had a beautiful jab. He was faster than him. Andre tried to wrestle with him a little bit. And mm. then, lo and behold, Sadiq Youssef can, can wrestle. 
a little bit. He he, you know, he went for a Kimura. He was winning the better of the transitions. But it was very smart of um, Feely to kind of recognize the fact that he was being, you know, outclassed on the feet. So he decided to wrestle. I did notice that, and I thought that was a very veteran move, and I liked his performance. But she wants to know what do you think is next for Feely. And I would also like to throw in what do you think you do with Sodique next as well. Well... You know something, a, a small part of me would like to see him back up against Yair Rodriguez. Only because, you know, one, we're talking about what? It was a KO head kick knockout. Two, you know, obviously their trajectories. Um, I think, you know, it, it, would be, it would be nice to see a rematch there and just... I don't know. I, I, that, that's the only thing that kind of springs to mind, only because of the big ticket name value of um, Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, why not? I mean, that sounds like a fan favorite matchup. There you I go. think the fans would love that. Mm. Yeah, that would be a good one. Me personally, even though Philly lost, Shaylin, I say keep giving him people to like fun fights, and I still think he can make his way up the division even with that loss. He fought really well. I say. Just keep giving him somebody. I'm Shane Burgos, Mursad Bektig. I'm not sure if he fought some of these folks already. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Yeah. But I say keep giving Philly hard-hitting, you know, fighters to fight, people that will challenge him. I don't think this loss is going to hurt him too much. And me personally, Sadiq needs to keep going up the chain. I think he's a future champion or at least a f- future contender. Um, pretty, You know, in the, in the future. And I think he should fight maybe someone like Josh Emmett. You know, just let those two bang it out. Josh hits hard, and Sadiq is a pretty good boxer, so I would love to see him fight Josh Emmett. Mm. But, you know, Mike, make sure you catch that fight. It was It's good to see Sadiq's... Uh, he's always been good with his hands, but it's nice to see him grapple, and it was kind of interesting to see him get the better exchanges of Andre Feely because Feely is a alpha male, okay. you know, team alpha male, yeah, 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 and he's yeah. been there since 2009, so to see Sadiq get the better of him was kind of shocking, and, and it looked to be very promising to me, so make mm. sure you catch that and, and take note, it was dope. Okay, so, um, I think part of the, per- the question was, uh, what's next for Sadiq Youssef, right? Yeah, and I think, um, what do you think for him, because I said uh, Josh Emmett. See, off the top of my head, again, I'm not sure if he has fought him. Only because... He's still there? Um, only because Andre Feely has a win over uh, Shaman Marais. I was thinking Shaman Marais. But like I say, off the top of my head, I don't know whether you know, Sadiq Youssef has actually fought um, Shaman Marais before. But that's the only one that's kind of like... Screams. Oh, he has. Oh, he has. He has, and he went to decision with him because I remember a lot of people were talking about, oh, Andre knocked out Shaman, but Sadiq did it. And I'm just like, MMA math never works, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Andre knocked out Shaman. Sadiq went to decision with him, and yet Sadiq beat Andre Philly. So, perfect example of why MMA math doesn't work. But it's a tough question, Mike, because you need like the rankings in front of you. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a tough question to like answer. Why that's can't, why you know that's I read it. Why can't I, I know I'm probably being crazy here. I'm not sure if he has fought Max Holloway coming off a loss. Why don't we put Max Holloway versus Sadiq Youssef again? I'm not sure if they fought because I don't have their records in front of me. Oh man, that would be a hell of a test for Sadiq. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, Mike? I'd watch it, but I think Max would um, piece him up. That veteran, that um experience yeah. five round wars yeah. i think he'd piece him up mm. but i sure as hell would watch but i mean i definitely could do sadiq and josh emmett i can do sadiq and jeremy stevens you know i can just keep putting him out there and and then i wouldn't mind seeing him against ryan hall another grappler sadiq showed some really nice promise in in it wasn't pretty but mm. it showed that he's learning the grappling aspect of things i'm not saying he was climbing Andre Philly, like the way D, uh, Diego Ferreira was climbing Pettis' back. It didn't look that beautiful, but it shows that he's learning. So why not give him Ryan Hall, you know? There's so much for Sadiq out there and for Andre. Like, their performances were pretty damn good. Sounds so. like a plan. But I must say, I'm struggling yeah. here because I'm, I'm really working off the top of my head. And at the top of my head, I can't think of a whole gang of people without, you know, contradicting myself because... 
he Same may here. he may have fought them before, but you know that 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 just teaches me a lesson to pay more attention to the questions when they come in. <laughs> I mean, that's why I like asking some of them. Some of them are really hard, and you, you can't really answer them off the top of your head. And a lot of times, I can't cheat. Like I have a computer <clears throat> here, but it's like I just rather you know keep the podcast real and answer it. So some of them can get difficult. But shout out to Shaylin for the tough question. Oh wow, you've got your laptop open, but that's cheating. <laughs> I mean, but you know, you know, I'm not really good with technology. You'd be surprised how Google can just, you know, really <laughs> thwart me. So don't consider it cheating, Mike. I barely know how to use this thing. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Worldcast. As usual, you can get me at Mike WoTV and you can get G at G from WoTV. Both of us on Twitter if you wanted to debate, to discuss, to actually go in depth about any of the points which we've raised on this episode. Until next time, make some trouble. Always. See you, Mike.